0: to episode 35 of the trail runners association of hong kong podcast welcome for joining us once again i'm steve Curry, one of your hosts of the podcast it's into october but i think someone must have canceled autumn because it's still really hot out there hopefully some of you will have joined some early season races and experienced just how hot it still is We've had TGR Immortals, Hot 25 by the organisers of Victoria 162, and a few different races over the October 1st weekend. We've got a very full calendar coming up as well. It's almost like 2019 all over again, with some additional new races as well. We've got uh, all the old iconic longer races. We've got the, fourth, the first full-length north face 100 we did have a 50k a few months ago but the first 100k since before covid we've got the second edition of hong kong 100 since covid in january as well and the first race globally perhaps that was cancelled because of covid is back again for the first time and that is the iconic nine dragons 50 miles followed by 50k which yours truly is looking forward to lots of other races as well. Those of you who have been prime running in Hong Kong for many years will be delighted to see the original King of the Hills series back as well, and many, many other races you can join in between. But today, we are traveling outside Hong Kong. We are going to speak to Hong Kong runners who have been overseas to some races in different parts of the world. First of all, we've got Hong Kong-based Joshua Davies, talking us through Action Asia's stage race in Mongolia. We've also got Dina Bagal talking to us about his experience at Ultra Trail Australia a few months ago. And also, we have Steve Brammer and Pearl young talking us through Ultra Trail Monterosa, a four-day stage race which starts and finishes in a beautiful... Mountain top village in switzerland but also spends half the time in italy it's a race which has had a lot of hong kong connections stone sang uh, ran one of the early editions the full miler in one go actually but a lot of hong kong runners have been to race the four day stage race edition which we'll hear about today so hopefully hearing about some of these overseas adventures might give you some ideas for. Uh, travels perhaps next year after the very full hong kong pro running season is finished so let's uh listen to our guests and first up we do have joshua davies talking to us about his experience in mongolia on a stage race with action asia Joshua Davies, thank you for joining us. Uh, I understand you have recently enjoyed an adventure in Mongolia, a stage race. Thank you for coming
1: online to talk us through it. Yeah, thanks very much for having me, Steve. Always good to chat about Mongolia and just running in general. Great.
0: Well, before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about your running background to start with.
1: Uh, yeah, sure. Happy to. So I was a like a middle school and high school runner. So way, way, way back in the day, did like the track and field, did the cross country. Sort of dropped off in my my twenties. Uh, convinced myself that I had knee injuries, which were probably mostly mostly phantom knee injuries. But then kind of rediscovered running when I was living in Korea, um, in Seoul, and just really, really got into it again. About oh, goodness gracious, maybe coming up on. 12, 14 years ago now, and slowly but surely doing longer and longer distances. Not quite as long as what you're doing, but you know the 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 baby ultras, the uh, the the short little ultras. Great.
0: So I'll just briefly pick your brains then on running and career. I mean, when you were running, there was it road running in Seoul or trail running uh, around outside Seoul somewhere as well.
1: Good question. So I. As much trail running as possible. Seoul does have quite a lot of trails in it. They've got a lot of river trails, surprisingly, um, which are quasi padded oftentimes with like that sort of track, that track material substance. But there's also a lot of uh, mountain trails with like Bukhansan and all the various parks around there. Those, I-, I think you've you've run in you've run in Korea as well. Those are quite rocky, so they're very technical, but they also have some some runnable sections which are quite fun.
0: Good to know. I'll have to check it out sometime. And there are a couple of uh, Korean races in the Asia Trailmaster Series I do want to do, actually. There are, indeed. You're now based in Hong Kong. Uh, any favorite places to run in Hong Kong?
1: Yeah, actually, <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I chose to base myself for, for my industry. Why I chose myself to base myself here was because of the trails. Uh, so I used to I live in I live in Central-ish now, but I used to live out on Lantau Island, uh, Muiwo. Uh, which I'm pronouncing horribly wrong. And No matter how many years I live there, I, I, I'm doing my best, uh, and so I'm actually really, really biased towards loving a lot of the Lantau routes, uh, especially some of the the backside routes, even on on like the the, the you know Lantau Trail or anything around like Chimowan Peninsula. Uh, it's just it's just lovely out there. But honestly, Pat Seng Lang and like the immortals going up over there is also just like phenomenally beautiful, although on a sunny day uh, i'll I'll take Chimawan Peninsula with its uh its tree cover, very wise so Mongolia uh you
0: recently did the action Asia stage race there, tell us why Mongolia
1: uh yeah, yeah, good question so um, I had been to Mongolia oddly enough uh in two thousand six. I know that number precisely because at immigration, they're like, oh, you've been here before. I was like, yeah, you know, 2005, 2000, something like that. And they go, no, 2006. They were very, they wanted to be sure that I knew when I had visited there about about 17, 18 years ago. Uh, And I had just really absolutely been blown away the first time I visited by these incredibly wide open skies. Now, Now, when I was there in like 2006, the amount of like, paved road going off into these far flung places was few and far between uh, and I was very curious what had changed uh, it's it's a heck of a lot easier although I would still say not easy to get out to some of the places where you want to go on these long runs but it's just i mean the skies there are just endless
0: great so did you have an idea of what you were in for then when
1: you were heading back for the stage race or did it come as a bit of a surprise to you yeah that's a good question so Mongolia is enormous, so it has very, very diverse geography. I knew portions of what I was in for, so I knew that some of like the the steppes and sort of the rocky mountainous areas. I mean, they're not super, super high mountains, but they're 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 steep and lovely. Um, so I knew about that. Knew we were going to see you know some camels and horses and lots of fun animals on on the route. Um, wasn't sure exactly how close we'd be to sort of the Gobi Desert type environment. And there's like sort of the the, the larger Gobi Desert, which is uh, you know closer to the border with like Inner Mongolia, but there's also pockets. I didn't realize this actually. There's these pockets of other very much dune desert environments um, further further inland, and we actually did a whole chunk of the race through that. So that was unexpected but an awesome surprise i'd seen so because so, they uh with action asia they they change the location every year every couple of years so they've run it and i think ugh, don't don't quote me on it like six different locations in mongolia so it's a bit of a surprise each year what it's going to actually be so 50 50 that's a long answer to just tell you 50 50 halfway surprised halfway halfway not surprised <laughs>
0: So for someone like me that hasn't been to Mongolia, I just think of endless grassland, which I think of as flat. Um, So it's actually a lot of variety by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, there are flat sections. I should make a note that flat doesn't mean dry. Uh, Flat can be massively flooded so we got to we got to to traipse through some flat grassland sections that were no longer grassland they were they were beautiful marshland i mean still staggeringly beautiful but no there's actually quite a lot of there's a mixture of rolling hills some really steep almost um, i'm I'm trying to think of a reference point The when i was a kid i went to the badlands in uh in uh in w- the dakotas um uh, in the u.s and it's these like really really harsh rocks that are just sort of carved and sticking out of like you know rocky hilltops and so there's quite a bit of that as well it's very runnable i would say it's very runnable except for the the marshy and sandy bits uh but it's it's way more up and down than you might imagine
0: good to know that's important for anyone that wants to go next year to prepare i think um is there anywhere in hong kong that would be the best preparation or is it really just you know go out on the trails
1: anywhere and Get
0: your fitness up. It sounds like I mean
1: uh, Hong Kong's Hong Kong's up and downy bits um, are 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 epic in their own right. Uh, There's no stairs in Mongolia, so um, the the stair the stair running's not going to help you. Although I mean that's good for the overall overall just general leg strength. Uh, I would say probably like the the backside of Timoshan or some parts of Lantau where it's sort of those big sweeping up and downs where it's not like necessarily crazy steep, but it's like it's those big sweepings where it's just relentlessly up and then relentlessly down. Things like that would get you prepared. Uh albeit with the Hong Kong ones being um a bit longer.
0: Okay, good to know. So you mentioned uh it's not always dry. So what was the trail like underfoot? You've also mentioned it was quite technical. Um so I mean, what kind of footwear would someone just your typical hokers or Something with a bit I, more lump for traction underneath. That's a
1: good. That's a good, good question. So I, I went, I went full Hoka, but I, I understand. I mean, I, I've got friends who are very much in the ultra category or something. You know, something else. So I think it's really going to depend which. If it works in Hong Kong on a muddy day, it's going to work really well in Mongolia with the sand. Uh, a lot of people brought a pair of socks to change out of or those sand gaiters. Uh, I tried sand gaiters for a little while, and then I was just like, you know what. I'm just going to get sand in my shoes and then just empty them out. It, w- it was fine. It was it was all good. But there's different approaches. But yeah, you're going to have a mixture of really quite runnable, compacted grassland stuff you're thinking about. Some small sections of like gravel road. So some gravel road sections, uh, just because they've got the different, you know, different stepland and, uh, and the gurs scattered here and there. Uh, some rocky sections, especially going up into the mountains, some very muddy sections and genuinely like up to your, at least up to your knees water, um, that you'll be going through for, for chunks of it. Um, which is a heck of a lot of fun and sand. Yeah. Just sand dunes and dunes and dunes.
0: A bit of everything You need to be versatile then. So tell us, (laughs) was it, uh, were there checkpoints? Was it, um, quite well supported or did you need to be quite self-sufficient?
1: Yeah, I, I would like to pretend that I, I was dramatically self-sufficient. Uh but no, there were there were there were a plethora of marshals on the course. Uh, I'm not saying nobody got lost because we did have one one or two people get lost, uh, but I I'm not a hundred percent sure how of the, the marshals were, were very, very well-placed. Um, I, it, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a vast area. So even with well-placed marshals and tons of markers, one of the challenges they actually had is horses and cows and other animals and camels, uh, ate the markers so i would really want to hand it to to the like the the support team going out there multiple times because they use these like biodegradable markers multiple times going out and replacing them because they had been eaten by the various animals who thought they were tasty tasty treats but no so there were checkpoints there were with you know some supplies bananas oranges waters you know your basics uh we're not talking about like luxe like chocolate bars and fresh soup or anything but you know Munchies munchies and beverages, uh and plenty of marshals to to make sure you don't get too lost
0: kudos to the r d for using biodegradable markers. That's a very good idea um yeah, fortunately in Hong Kong, the buffaloes don't eat markers usually, so we don't have that problem. That's quite
1: unique um it was hilarious but, genuinely
0: I can imagine uh overnight accommodation like in between the stages
1: yeah, so. <laughs> we thought it was going to be very, very rustic because the last time they'd used this location a couple of years ago, the uh, the GERS had, on occasion, there was power in like one or two locations. So they're like, bring solar chargers, bring a lot of batteries if you need things, um, be prepared for cold water. Yeah, so they'd upgraded during uh, the pandemic, apparently. Uh, we had heated floors in the tents so we there were fi- there was the fire option which is super super lovely as well but you know just in the traditional your type thing with the the fire but another uh, were heated floors and electricity in all the tents so uh it was a, it was a surprise to the organizers as well they got there like oh well never mind it's uh, so it was a bit more glamping than 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 we were anticipating we came prepared for roughing it and we uh we ended up not having to so i don't want to i don't want to pretend that i roughed it it was it was quite nice hard hard beds
0: heated floors sound good to
1: me (laughs) yeah all right that that it was i was not complaining well uh, that's rain torrentially
0: that right that hopefully gives people a good taste of uh, what to expect if they join the action asia uh mongolia stage race in the future so thank you for sharing josh um happy to you're now back in hong kong Trail running season is about to commence, or will have by the time people listen to this. So, uh, what's coming up for you?
1: Uh, yeah, lots of lots and lots of bad ideas. Uh, so, I'm out of town. For, I was I was really excited for Green Race, uh, the the Immortal uh, the Immortals. Uh, I signed up for that, but I'm actually out of town for that one, unfortunately. Uh, although I'm doing the, the recce this weekend just because I'm a glutton for punishment and it looks like a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, but what I'm signed up for, I've got two peaks coming up. Um, I've got the Moon Trekker, the the shorter one. I know you're doing the, the longer one. Did that last year. Don't need the extra peninsula tossed on there for me in the middle of the night. Uh, doing, doing Translantau, the 50, um, the Hong Kong Trail 50 race through Action Asia. North Face 50 uh, because... I did forty six out of fifty last year and just died the last couple kilometers. Um, but they're going at reverse this time, and then I got a couple of others. I got one in Indonesia, one in Taiwan, and a couple other places. Uh, so yeah, a bunch of them. Uh, let let's see how they go.
0: Awesome. Tell us a little bit about what
1: you've got in Indonesia. Ah, uh, so that's uh, they they've got one where it's it's in uh, Bromo the volcano. Uh, so it's. It's running around Bromo. They've got a bunch of different durations. I'm doing one of the more middling. I think mine's like 30 to 40. It's not super, super long uh, because I've got a, I've got an, uh, a proper 50 plus like a week and a half after. So this is sort of a warm up for that. But it's such a beautiful location. I've always wanted to go hiking, running, etc. there. So uh, just a chance to go do that. And uh, if I really like it, go do the longer version next time. Sounds
0: great. Well, uh, enjoy your race in Indonesia and your very busy schedule coming up in Hong Kong. I hope your partner's very understanding of the fact that every weekend you're out on the
1: trails. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to be optimistic. Yes.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much again for sharing, Josh. Uh, really appreciate it. And I will see you at the Immortals Ricky, this weekend, I think, and, uh, a few upcoming races.
1: That sounds great, Steve.
0: So thank you very much, Dina, for joining us today. You've had a couple of overseas adventures in the last few months. So thank you for sharing them for our podcast today. So a a couple of months ago, you went to Ultra Trail Australia, I understand.
2: Good afternoon Steve. Thank you for having me in the Hong Kong Trail Runner Association radio podcast. yeah I've been the um, Australia UTA in the Blue Mountains. It's just such a beautiful place um, I'm happy to sharing about the experience.
0: Thank you. so why did you choose Ultra Trail Australia?
2: Altar Trail Australia is one of the big events in Australia. It's from the long time, so it is a beautiful landscape area around the Blue Mountains.
0: So how was the scenery in that area? I mean, it looks pretty amazing in photos and video. Is it just as spectacular when you actually go there?
2: So it's just beautiful view of the very nice Rocky Mountain. This is not snow mountains. So where is the race starting place is such a beautiful and the environment of the place is uh, very nice. <laughs> so
0: how was how was the actual trail I mean was it quite smooth runnable or very technical?
2: Um, the whole course of the trails there's uh, several places have the like our but not concrete, this is the, um, the forest uh, road, is some areas is really kind of runnable. But uh, some area is really technical because it's in the forest. So we have to go up and down. And the total elevation is uh, 4600 plus. It's, um, so this is not very high altitude, but you have to go up and down in the valley.
0: Okay. So when you say quite technical, how would that compare to Hong Kong? Would it be similar to say going around Plover Cove or not so similar compared with Hong Kong?
2: It is similar to Cove uh, uh, around some areas like a Sharp Peak where if we do the Sharp Peak to Beach area, some some area like that. But um of course, is uh, the clips area, there is a lot of metal ladder. So this is safety reasons. You have the railing for hinds. But definitely some area is the same like a pericope and sharp area. I can compare in Hong Kong like that.
0: Was it quite similar during the whole course or was it quite varied? I mean, were there some runnable, some technical, some up, some down, some flat?
2: All over the course is like a 50-50. Some, some is a really because the, uh, Australia made, they have a, um, people go to patrolling in the forest. So the, the government makes some platforms. So around 60 persons technical trails, 40% is runnables. So, um, this all together, the, the course is, um, Not so much concrete, like maybe 2%, 3% concrete. All is like a trail and then the road also is a natural road.
0: Okay, good to hear. Not so much concrete. That's a nice change from Hong Kong. So did you do anything specific to train for this race when you were still in Hong Kong? um, How did you train for it?
2: Uh, look, I do the training for the Hong Kong. It's something like if I go to big course, like I go to UTMB 2019, I do the training like, for example, from Tung Chung to go to, um, Sunset, Sunset to Lantau Peak, then go to Nampeng low over, then stand backs. But the technical bias is, elevation bias really good training for there in the Hong Kongs. But the technical advice definitely, I need to go to Procorps and something like um, like a Timosan also is a good training course
0: area. Okay, great. You do a lot of running Dina, so I'm sure you had a good base fitness anyway. So how was your race actually? How did you do? Was it as per your expectation or did you do even better?
2: the course is uh, no my plan is like uh, doing it under 14 hours my plan is going there before that I make my figure so i did it under the, my expectation my my target is like i did in 13 hours 46 minutes so it is the under under my plans exactly what i planning but definitely, it's difficult to plan because it's, it's my first time. But make a little target uh, from other uh, friends or newspaper or, me- or see the, some articles. So I make the plans. This is uh, exactly under my plan to do that race.
0: Great. So well done on uh, beating your target time. Um, so how did you find the support during the race? Like the checkpoints and the volunteers?
2: It's overseas race. I've been, uh, several, uh, several countries like uh, Thailand, uh, China, Japan, uh, and, uh, UTMB and Europe. So this race have a lot of checkpoints and the checkpoint is the volunteer are so fa- helpful. So the food is very acceptable for Hong Kong people. I, I, I say, you can have a very good food, hot food also. There is a lot of checkpoint. Uh, there's a lot of good volunteer working, a lot of checkpoint, like a 10, ten more checkpoints, a good food, good work. Uh,
0: Great, would you say it's similar to a, one of the bigger races in Hong Kong, like Hong Kong 100 or North Face, or the checkpoints even have more variety of food?
2: Absolutely, like a Hong Kong hundred. There's a lot of uh, cheerings, uh, a lot of uh, good food, like hot food, like chocolate, banana, orange, watermelons, a lot of fruits, food, and the the, the volunteer is you're cheering up you. It's very nice and caring a lot for the Great.
0: So, would you go back to Ultra Trail Australia in the future?
2: Yeah, definitely, um if I have a chance. So for the for the local Hong Kong people if they want they are interesting for the uh Australia Ultra they so it is very easy. I can say easy sign up. Go to Sydney, then the drive uh one and a half hour to Blue Mountains. It's um yeah, I, I recommend for the Hong Kong trail runners to go to this nice course
0: great so what else do you have coming up we have the hong kong trail running season starting very soon um are you signed up for many races in hong kong or um are you looking at overseas races again
2: coming november i have the translanta utmb of hong kong so after that i have um i have the oxfam trail running it's a disc two race from me. It's a sign up recently. Uh, it's an, another. I don't plan it. So there is a lot of overseas race opening So it's looking forward.
0: Great. Well, all the best um, with your future adventures, and thank you so much for sharing your Australia um, adventures with us. Thank you so much for
2: having me in this uh, conversation, reviews. I'm very happy to sharing my experience
0: i'm now joined by steve brammer a uh, longtime hong kong based and co-race director of the hong kong 100 and also carol Young to talk about your recent experience at ultra trail monterosa a race i had the absolute joy of joining in 2019 myself as well So welcome both.
3: Hi, Steve. Hi. Great to see you. Hi, Carol.
4: How are you doing? Hi. Good, good. Great to be here and interview my first ever ultra experience.
0: It won't be the last, that's for sure. Excellent. Well, if you could first just tell us why UTMR. I mean, I understand, Steve, you've got some history with this race, but Carol, if it's your first ultra as well, just tell us why did you choose to do this one?
4: Um, well, mainly because of Steve and uh, uh, Jenna, they have been talking about this race for years that this is really the, the race to do and how special it is a four stage four day stage race that um, the way that you can see the whole course in daylight. And also it just so happened. Um, I'm in Europe this period of the time when the, the race happening, uh, looking for some trail running uh, ultra experience. Um, yeah, so I think this is a perfect timing, perfect opportunity and, and perfect race for me to, to start our ultra running career.
0: Steve, did you recommend this race to Carol then?
3: Yes, yes, I did. For the reasons she describes, that's the fact that it's incredibly beautiful. But because it's four day stage, you actually see it rather than kind of stumbling through it at night. Um you finish before dark, uh if if you're going well anyway, each day. You have a big feed, you have a sleep, and then you get going again at six thirty AM, basically just as day is breaking. Um so again you see all of it in daylight and it is it's stunning. It I mean, I think the tagline is uh bold, brutal, beautiful, um and it's spot on. It I mean it is it's super tough. Uh, very rocky quite technical at times and the the ascents are kind of almost twice the ascents that you might be used to with the other sort of European alpine races but that's all the more reason to break it up into four relatively bite-sized chunks um and then the other the other thing that I and it'd be interesting to see whether this happens this year but I did it two years ago um And once the kind of tiredness had worn off, felt really fit and and strong, sort of dropped a bit of weight. And um, I think by having four, basically four mountain marathons in four days, um, it felt like an incredible boot camp training session that just brings you into the Hong Kong trail running season. Um, So it's quite a nice way, I think, of um, being in pretty good shape just as our season starts and um, we'll see whether that happens this year or not at the moment I'm still in the kind of tired and eating own body weight in chocolate and kebabs uh, not necessarily in that order phase but hopefully about to come out of that phase and, and sort of start running properly again and eating sensibly again um, and yeah expecting to feel bionic going into this season we'll see
0: Brilliant. I think that really helped me at the end of 2019 when I did it. I had my best winter in Hong Kong that I ever had after that. Um, but people that are crazy enough can do the whole miler in one go. I think people should do another miler first by the sounds of it. It's a really tough one. But yeah, most people do four-day stages, as you mentioned. So I remember when I did it um, starting just before sunrise and I was on the first climb. coming out of this forest and turning a corner and just this brilliant sunrise against the mountains it was really spectacular
3: yeah and that's the day
0: when you're running
3: towards uh, Weisshorn and Matterhorn Uh, and of course Matterhorn's totally iconic perhaps slightly less so since Toblerone um, through its through its toys and, and changed the the graphics but yeah you you see the Weisshorn first and a lot of people think that's matterhorn and then as you carry on around that traverse towards zermatt then you see the matterhorn and, and it, it's mind-blowing you know it, it's so iconic and it's so pretty and the two times that i've done the stage race um we've had just cloudless weather and so we, we've seen all of those kind of epic peaks um in, yeah in, in, in their full glory
4: yeah, I think this time we're really blessed with good weather every single day, every single minute. I would say, uh, it, that's exactly what I I saw every day at the start, uh, at the start um, when you did your first climb. You saw a golden mountain right in front of you every single day. It's just it, it's such a nice distraction as well, it, and you feel you feel so rewarded after the first climb with such great stunning view. Yeah, that that's my. Um, uh, most memorable moments during the four days,
3: and it was interesting because it was cloudless, and and um, you know In the afternoons, a lot of the the Europeans were complaining that oh, it's so hot, it's oh, so hot. I just don't know what to do with this heat. Of course, Carol and I, and there, there was a big group of people from Hong Kong, some very very good runners, and a and, you know, really really nice group having a lovely time. I think. Um, And we were all looking at each other kind of going, you call this hot? Uh, (laughs) And no, for us, you you did need to drink a bit more in the afternoons, but it really wasn't what you would describe as hot if you've, you know, trained through a Hong Kong summer or raced here when, when it, Uh, you know when the sun's got its hat on kind of thing so that was quite nice for us I think we were actually yeah to see
4: people struggle and stop on the side in the afternoon uh, usually after after the first checkpoint break and uh, you started again uh, a bit full in the stomach with the sun hitting on you and a lot of people struggled and had to rest and stop on the side yeah that was quite funny
0: (laughs) The year I did it uh, was actually disrupted by snow. So we got the first two days, and at the end of the second day, it started drizzling with rain, and the next morning, waking up, the mountains were covered with snow. So doing the mountain passes just wasn't feasible. But full credit to the race director, um, although we had to be on a bus on day three, day four, just um, at zero notice, having had that weather disruption, they put on a bonus half marathon. Um out of nothing almost i mean very few race directors would do that they would just say sorry circumstances outside our control here's a discount for next year but this race director lizzie hawker just put on an additional half marathon like (laughs) one day notice for us it was unbelievable
2: uh, it's
3: a great effort. And I guess she knows the mountains around there so well that she is quite yeah, capable of of adapting and so on. There was quite a funny story from, from one of the uh, runners who had done the 60 two years ago, and that got stopped um, so that maybe the last 10 runners or so weren't able to finish. And... Um, it was because of a rock fall that was sort of you know, up up above Grechen where the race finishes and starts. And, and so there'd been this rock fall, and um, we heard this story from a, a runner who was stopped, and he said, well, um, he'd only got 10 k's to go. He knew it was mostly downhill. He wasn't that happy about being stopped. So he said to the person that had gone up the hill to stop him, you know, but, well, you know, who are you to, to stop me running to the finish line? And she said, well, I, I'm Lizzie Hawker. I'm the race director. Uh, and the, he thought, firstly, it was hilarious. He said, okay, um, where do you want me to go? But secondly, it's typical that um, Lizzie, rather than sort of delegating to someone, please can you go and check out the level of safety near this rockfall and so on, basically ran up the hill herself um, to greet the runners, to, to, to turn them back and to, to guide them back safely into Gresham. And uh, I thought, yeah, very, very typical of her extremely hands-on approach to race directing.
0: I think the other thing that reflects well on a race director is always like the volunteers, the checkpoint. So how was the race experience for you both in that regard?
4: Oh, well, it's, it's my, my first tri- uh, ultra race. So I had, no previous experience but it's i i think it's really really well organized really great support by the volunteers and i mean they did they, like it's not an easy job for them either um, and the marking was extremely uh, well done. Uh, I'm usually a dummy in following direction and even I could handle it. So I, I would say everything was so uh, perfectly organized and I know they don't have enough volunteers. They, they wish they could have more. I, I think a week before the race, they were sending out emails asking for people to uh, volunteer um, but still, I, I think they've done a great job. Everyone was so helpful at the checkpoints and A station. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think if next year or the years after, if I, I don't have the chance to to race, I would definitely try to join as a volunteer myself. Yeah, really enjoy it. Yeah, and it, it's quite a tight-knit
3: group of, of volunteers. A lot of them have been doing it through every year for years, um, and just as carol describes honestly if i'm not running it i tend to volunteer at it I probably volunteered at it five six seven times um and so for me it, it's particularly special because quite often i'll go into an aid station and and kind of know everybody there and it's it's just fantastic but very very kind of warm it feels like it feels like a big family kind of thing um and i think that, again it's something that the race prides itself on because it It's only really quite small. I mean, the the stage race can take 200, I believe, and there were about 140, 150 taking part this year.
0: In my experience of running the race in 2019, having a smaller field was actually maybe one of the features of the race because you see some of the same faces every day and you're sharing accommodation as well. So in between the running days, maybe... Uh, I think the first night I sharing with one other person and the second night with three others. Um, so a good way to make friends and then you see people out on the course as well. But anyway, Carol, uh, as your first time doing the race, did you have any particular goals in mind?
4: No DNF. That's my my goal because I had, I didn't know what to expect. It's my first ultra race and also I've never tried this kind of distance or um, elevation so much climbing every day and four days in a row um, so I, I really didn't know if I could do it um, so that's that was my goal and thankfully I think I but every day I finish uh, one hour before well no, not one hour Two two hours before cut off which I was very very pleased with um the third day was the longest, uh longest distance and um longest climb. I was most worried uh about the third day. You're tired already, not even sure if I could finish, but I did manage to to finish it. So um yeah, yeah, yeah. It's is really I like I did out outdid my expectation, which I'm I'm very, very pleased. Uh yeah. So next year oh next time i race hopefully i can improve my timing but but this year honestly i'm very very happy that i can i could finish it <laughs> because i was i was really nervous and worried at the beginning excellent so how was day 2 3 and 4
0: morning like having already done a marathon distance the previous day how was getting started in the mornings
4: yeah it was interesting so obviously every day when you finish you 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 feel broken, your body's so tired, your legs um, so tight. I did a bit of stretching, had a big dinner, went to bed early. And amazingly, it's just um, your your body could adjust it quite quickly. After a good night's sleep, um, the next day you stretch your legs a little bit. And then, of course, I think the adrenaline from the race also helps. And at the get-go, you, you're you ready to go again. Uh, a few you might need a few hundred meters to warm up Uh, but then you feel energized and and you feel strong again usually every day started with a long a big climb and um yeah 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 i felt quite strong every every morning uh, which is quite interesting to to notice how your body could could adapt to to the physical toll Um, every morning is 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 doable that was one of my worries at the beginning, as well, like day one, I I I was pretty confident I could finish, um, but then yeah, uh, um, it's it's quite amazing to to experience this with your own body. Um, I don't feel quite bionic now after the race, as Steve uh, said before. He he said after the race last year, he felt bionic and could could fly on the on the hills, but I don't quite feel it. But I I don't feel exhausted either. Yeah, I I think I can maybe in in, uh, a few months with a few months training, I can do it again, maybe.
0: (laughs) I found, uh, although I needed three days when I did it, each morning, you know how you get that excitement at the start of a race and the starting, yeah, yeah. you have that excitement four days in a row. And that actually keeps you going on that second, third, and fourth morning, I guess.
4: Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, Yeah, I think the good thing about it being a relatively small race is you don't have to worry about qualifying. There's a minimum standard in terms of how much you must have run before. And there's obviously cut off dates by which you need to register, which is like a couple of months before, I think. Yeah. But if you want to do the race, you can otherwise.
3: Yeah, I mean, it literally, Lizzie Hawker vets everyone. So um, you, you need to sort of tell her what races you've done. Um, but she's quite used to Hong Kong runners now. I mean, for, for years, there's been a pretty big Hong Kong field at UTMR. And and it was lovely that this year it was back. I mean, there were, I think there were 20 of us from Hong Kong doing the stage race and one very brave soul, um, Lung Mooncar, Mooncar Lung. Um, who did the 170 and got it got it done, got it finished, which is a fantastic effort because it's so hard. Um, and But, yeah, so Lizzie, no, no need to, you know, collect points or anything like that. You just have to write to her and say, well, I've finished these races and, you know, this is my experience. And she says yes or no. And, I mean, she sometimes gets in touch with us to say, do you know this person? Or, uh, do you, can you... Um Can you vouch and Steve
4: to- vouch for me for my application as well because I had zero ultra <laughs> experience to write about. <laughs> so thanks to Steve for that.
3: And, and and then Carol went and won her age group, so uh, it, it shows out. I was uh, on the money with my reference.
0: You didn't mention that just now, Carol. Well done. And Steve, how <laughs> like? was your goal to enjoy it and finish? Or
3: yeah, although. It's funny, I went into it thinking, just enjoy the journey, um, just you know chat to everybody and, and have a lovely time, um, but then a bit of white line fever you know once it once you get going, so I only took about three photos on the whole thing um, whereas two years ago I, I took quite a lot of photos pretty much every day, but this time I decided to I don't know focus on on getting it done as as quickly as I could, which still wasn 't very quickly. Um, but it was interesting. I, I went in thinking, I'll just enjoy the journey. And then I ended up yeah, kind of racing it. Um, Steve's
4: on the podium as well.
3: I was in, the, in her, the gra- his age group. Third in the granddad's category. Um, <laughs> that was interesting as well, because again, I, I thought, well, it, I'm not bothered about that sort of thing. I just want to be there and, and, and enjoy the the scenery and enjoy the camaraderie with the other racers and so on and so forth but then my mum tipped me off she, you can follow it there's a link and on the third day my mum said oh you're the um second runner-up in the in your age group you know she didn't say in the um the old gits group and um so that did mean on the fourth day I felt like I was pushing much harder um, and I'm a bit embarrassed by that but yeah I, my competitive juices started flowing when I Realise I had the chance of a age group podium um, and so yeah on that last day I was sort of head down and really trying to bring it home as quickly as possible um, but I look back on it and think well, it probably would have been better just to enjoy the journey um, but the other daft thing was because I'd done it in perfect weather two years ago I'd sort of got most of the photos Um mm-hmm. And so I wasn't quite as motivated to to take all the really good photos. And I knew that Carol was in the field and she's a brilliant photographer. And so I was very confident that all the really good uh, views, she would be snapping up. And I wasn't disappointed.
0: Great. Well, that's one of the good things about trail running. There's uh, categories for more senior runners like us to still be competitive. (laughs) Yes. That
4: really helps the motivation.
0: (laughs) Definitely. just tell us a little bit about what the actual trail was like for someone who's in Hong Kong thinking about it for next year who maybe hasn't run in that part of Switzerland and Italy before. You mentioned before it was a bit technical. Um, I remember there's a lot of variety, actually, which is also one of the nice things about it.
4: I don't think it's that much more technical than the hills in Hong Kong. Maybe for some parts, a bit more technical. But in in general, I think for someone who's been running on the hills in Hong Kong, Lantau Peak, like um, I think I honestly think Lantau Peak the downhill quite quite technical for me. And I don't think it's much more uh, difficult than that. Except for certain certain bits, you have chains and stuff um but the fact that uh, both steve and i and two other friends who we did um uh some hiking in switzerland around near the matterhorn that helped my uh, warm up and training as well but for someone who's never done any ultra race in the alps uh from hong kong i think it's manageable you just need to to train and i think it will be manageable
0: yeah I think the, the difference really is just the elevation, like you've got long climbs and long descents. Yeah. Yeah. I mean It's you, like
4: you have to climb Timoshan five times like in 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 a day. <laughs> Something yeah. like
3: that. Every day um starts with a thousand meter climb, basically. It it's it, on the fourth day I kind of looked at my watch and it was nearly eight o'clock in the morning and, and I commented, Well, this is the fourth. Well, actually, it was the third. The first day, maybe not quite, but it was the third day in a row that before eight a.m. we'd already climbed a thousand meters. And um, yeah, the, the the big difference I think between the this race and the other uh, most of the other European Alpine races, but also the races in Hong Kong, is that your climbs tend to be fourteen hundred meters, sixteen hundred meters, rather than eight hundred meters, six hundred meters. Um, so it's that it's that you can be climbing you know for over two hours and still climbing um uh, yeah, and, and the then, descent
4: is, is the same is it, it seems never ending <laughs> never ending descent
3: yeah and and when Carol says that the technicality is manageable, I think she might still be high on endorphins Um <laughs> uh, it, it is I think it, it is significantly more technical than than anything that that we have in Hong Kong, really I think um not not always occasionally there's quite a nice runnable descent but quite often it's you know there, there are quite a lot of rock fields to cross and yeah some of the descents are um slightly frustrating because you know you, you really just want to get down to the bottom and instead you're carefully picking your way from rock to rock and then from root to root um, but manageable and and certainly the the thing that's Great about it is that you tend to be doing it not too exhausted, um, and it, you, you on the last day or two, you, you start to come past some of the uh, 170k runners, and of course they at that stage are kind of at the end of their tether, and in a way it makes you feel better because you look at them and think, well, you know, they, they have a bit of perspective. At least I'm, um, you know, I, I'm not feeling as bad as they look, um, but it. You you know you do tend because you're doing sort of 40k's a day 40 45 46 something like that. Um, you even towards the end you've still got a bit of energy left and and you know the the perspective that seeing these people who have already done 150 kilometers um, gives you. But it you know it, it is hard. It's it's not an easy race. But I, I think all the better for that um, if you're doing the stage race anyway because. Um, yeah, it, it's genuinely challenging. It's, it's hard enough to make it more than worthwhile. But because you're breaking it up, it is manageable. Mm-hmm.
0: I think what Carol mentioned before, just um, having a bit of recovery every day, I, I guess, is uh, what really helps. But depending on how fast you are as a runner, you might finish each day kind of mid-afternoon, and that gives you a chance to relax and uh, talk to other runners as well. It's quite social had a good vibe when i did it which was nice yeah. as well but yeah, yeah.
3: You, you get to these small towns where there's you know you can see who's in the race and and everybody you know they're kind of in their flip-flops and their toenails are brown and they you know their knees are still strapped up and so you can see who who's part of the race and you get you get to at least recognize if not know nearly everybody in the race and so you, yeah you you chat and it's it's super sociable and these villages are all really nice as well of course they're these kind of unique mountain villages so it's Zermatt for the first night uh is it Gresny la Trinite the second yeah. Maconjaga for the third it, so you've crossed over into Italy and the yeah the food has got even better um and then back into Grechen um which again is it's a very cute sort of beautiful mountain town in in switzerland um so yeah you get a chance to kind of hang out in these really nice villages um every evening and and yeah you always feel slightly sorry for the the back markers you know coming in at sort of six o'clock in the evening rather than the 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 really quick people have been in for about five hours at that stage, and have you know had a snooze and um, had, a, had a manicure <laughs> you know? um, so it is much easier for the people who are, are super quick, but even for the for the back markers you 're still getting twelve hours to absolutely fill your boots with food um, and then have a rest and then go again and that that 's the amazing thing I think I think until you 've done it, you don't realize how well you can recover with mm. the a big feed and a sleep. Um, yeah, I, I've only done two stage races now, but that was the really striking thing for me was that if you, yeah, can get off your feet, have a big feed, have a decent night's sleep, it's amazing how, how well you recover and how strong you can feel the, the next day. Usually, still a bit of muscle soreness that kind of wears off as you get going. But yeah. I thought, you know, after day one this time around, I thought, well, I may really struggle tomorrow. I'd had a bit of cramp and, and I'd sort of pushed too hard and forgotten what I was doing really. Um, but no, next day after a big feed and a big sleep, off you go again and, and suddenly you feel as good as new. It's amazing. And and I think until you've done it, you perhaps don't really realise um, how true that is. Uh, so I was quite surprised when I, I first experienced it. And, and again, this time sort of two years since I last stage raced I kind of I remembered that yeah but you come back really strong but I was kind of maybe not when you're this age and no same again you could as long as you get a decent feed and a decent sleep ready to go again in the morning it's amazing
0: so Carol would you go back and do it again
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said before, I mean, it's, it's such an amazing race. Um, definitely will not do the the 170K in one go uh, because I don't like to run in darkness. Um, but yeah, stage race, highly recommend. And as I said before, I would probably volunteer, um, consider volunteering. As well, I think it's, it's also fun, um, like a small uh, like a small family. You work together um, every day. Uh, I I think it's like different kind of experience as well, and it will be a lot of fun. Great. So
0: what's up? Now, you've, uh, now that adventure has been held and it sounds like you both had a great time as I did when I ran it. What's next for both of you? Obviously, Steve, you've got uh, the Hong Kong 100 around the corner again as race director, but what else is coming up in the next few months for both of you?
3: Yeah, so you're right. I mean, organising like mad on the Hong Kong 100 um, side and, and that is great to be back into it and to actually have some lead time this year to organise it rather than having to do it all very quickly and with the rules constantly changing as it was last year. So we're really looking forward to to this edition and working really hard on it already. Um, uh, But, yeah, a whole bunch. I'm hoping that I'm in really good shape now after finishing the GMR stage race. So I'm looking at – I haven't signed up for them yet, but I'm looking at there's um, an an Autopia 50K. There's the Kailas Fish and Sheep uh, 50K – there's a Coros 50k um, and, a, and a couple of others. Um, thinking about Moon Trekker. I think I'm too late for the, um, for the. I think it's called Dark 45 that uh, Peak Hunters have taken over. So, yeah, but I'm basically looking to um, sign up for a whole bunch of races at the sort of 50k ish distance and then Trail Walker in November with a team of old men. Of which which I'm the slowest old man, so I really do need to get my act together. That's going to
0: be the first part of the season, anyway. You've put good training on already in Switzerland and Italy, so I'll see you at the start line of some of those races, no doubt. And Carol, you're still. Um, I am not quite sure,
4: yeah, because I'm I'm travelling in uh, Europe at the moment. Um, Next uh, this week, I'm in Slovakia. Uh, and then, uh, a week later we'll be in Mallorca and then. For two weeks, and then Menorca, and then back to the UK for another few weeks. Maybe um, I'll look for some local races uh, wherever I go. Uh, I really enjoy like low key, um, intimate, small races. I think is is the if it feels you are a lot more involved and uh, not much media coverage. I really enjoy races like that, kind of medium distance, forty maybe forty k to fifty k. Um, yeah, either either in Mallorca or in in the UK. Probably I'll look for some local races, uh, last minute sign up, uh, something like that. And and now it's really good weather for is I mean it's race season in the Northern Hemisphere anyway. Um, yeah, so may I don't know yet. So, but I'll I'll try to find some community races to join in Europe. So here in
0: Mallorca, sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find something at short notice on the ITRA website.
4: Mm. Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Thank you both. Greatly appreciate you coming on and telling us about your adventure at Ultra Child Monterosa. Having done it myself as well, I look forward to going back next year for sure. Um, So maybe I'll run past you as you're volunteering at a checkpoint next year, Carol.
4: Mm. Yes, yes. We'll be happy to support you. All right. Thank you. Guys.
0: Appreciate your time coming on to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Steve. Thank you, Steve.
4: Thanks, Have Carol. Have a good day. Thank, thank you. you. bye